the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, April the 26th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today on April 26, 1986, an explosion and fire at Chernobyl nuclear power plant in Ukraine caused radioactive fallout to begin spewing into the atmosphere all over the place. Dozens of people were killed in the immediate aftermath, but the long-term death toll for ra- from radiation poisoning is believed to be in the thousands, perhaps in the tens of thousands. No one knows for sure. Today in 1607, English col- colonists went ashore at present-day Cape Henry, Virginia. They were on an expedition to establish the first permanent English settlement in the Western Hemisphere. Today in 1865, John Wilkes Booth, the assassin of President Abraham Lincoln, he was surrounded by federal troops near uh, Port Royal, Virginia. They killed him. Today in 1933, Nazi Germany's infamous secret police, the Gestapo, that group was created. Today in 1968, the United States exploded beneath the Nevada desert, a 1.3 megaton nuclear device. They called it boxcar. Today in 2000, Vermont Governor Howard Dean signed the nation's first bill allowing same-sex couples to form civil unions. One year ago today, the Census Bureau said U.S. population growth had slowed to its lowest rate since the Great Depression. More and more Americans are not native-born, but foreign-born. Apple rolled out a new privacy feature one year ago today, following through on its pledge to crack down on Facebook and other Snoopy apps that secretly shadowed people on their iPhones in order to target more advertising at users. The whole idea of this, the Internet, the iPhones, and so on, is a very shadowy world that most of us common, ordinary folks out here don't know a lot about, some more than others, but it is indeed a shadowy world, but it is a alternate reality for some. They live in that world. They can't unplug themselves from their iPhones or their whatever. They live there, and that's why it's such an important issue. I want to talk to you a little bit today about freedom, freedom of speech. I want to talk to you a little bit about Twitter, because that is at the very core of this whole internet alternative um, universe that exists out there. And I'm going to talk to you about what the fact that Elon Musk has now purchased Twitter, what that might mean, and just acquaint ourselves in general about how that could change the dynamics of a lot of things. It isn't just about Musk, who's the richest guy in the world right now, and it isn't really just about Twitter because one would say, well, I don't, I don't go on Twitter. I don't care. So Musk buys Twitter. So what? Well, the, 
the implications of this run very deep, and there could be some really good news for us ordinary folks out here. We'll talk a little bit about that today, but I also want to talk to you for a moment about Coach Joe Kennedy. He was he had his day in court, the highest court in the land, yesterday. I want to tell you a little bit about that, some thoughts on that. Peter wrote in chapter 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, he said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, insomuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. The psalmist wrote, Psalm 55:22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. The world today is has built a foundation on shifting sand, not the rock. And our culture is shifting and changing daily. It's moving. The soil is moving. The sand is moving beneath our feet. It's hard to keep your balance in today's culture unless you are directly connected to the Word of God that never changes. Everything else around us is changing. It could get become very confusing. You could have a kind of a an emotional vertigo or so. I mean, it's it's hard to stand and function in today's culture, and we're seeing the results of that as more and more people are suffering from various, you know, mental challenges and difficulties and so on. It's very tough, but that that's why we always look at what's happening in our culture. We must be informed. We've got to be informed. The Bible tells us to be informed, to know stuff, know what's going on. But most importantly, we've got to know all this stuff by looking at it through the lens of God's Word, because God's Word is the stable factor. Everything else is shifting sand. Everything else is changing. It isn't as it's presented for the most part, and it won't be tomorrow what it is today for the most part in our culture. And that's why the stabilizing factor is first a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, giving us that relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. And then to stay focused on the word of God and look at things through the truth of God's word. Associated Press wrote this morning, a coach who crosses himself before a game, a teacher who reads the Bible out loud before the bell rings, a coach who hosts an after-school Christian youth group in his home. Supreme Court justices discussed all of these hypothetical scenarios on Monday, yesterday, while hearing arguments about a former public high school football coach from Washington State. Well, that's Joe Kennedy from Bremerton. They heard the arguments they told they told they heard his story. He wanted to kneel and pray on the field after games, Associated Press says. The justices were wrestling with how to balance the religious and free speech rights of teachers and coaches with the rights of students not to feel pressured into participating in religious practices. AP says the court's conservative majority seemed sympathetic to the coach, while its three liberals seemed more skeptical. <laughs> surprise, surprise. The outcome could strengthen, AP says, the acceptability of some religious practices in the public school setting. Brett Kavanaugh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, he played basketball in high school himself. 
He's coached his daughter's team. He suggested there's a difference between a coach praying in a huddle with students or the locker room and when um, players are dis- uh, dispersing after the game. He said this wasn't, you know, huddle-up team. Kavanaugh said at one point suggesting the coach's practice was acceptable, Associated Press says. It's interesting to me, Justice Amy Coney Barrett asked, what if the coach had instead run an after-school religious youth group in his home? What students, with students free to join or not join? Would the school have been able to object to that, she asked? A lot of good questions were asked by these people, and I was uh, pleased personally to hear that. I'm sure you are as well. But the Supreme Court focused on basically two issues, whether a school, public school employee praying alone but in view of students, was engaged in unprotected government speech. And if it is not government speech, does it still pose a problem under the First Amendment's Establishment Clause? That's my take on it. Kennedy's attorney, this Paul Clement, he argued that there was a clear constitutional violation because not only was Kennedy's, Kennedy engaged in private, non-government speech, but that the school was taking action precisely because the speech is religious. It was and is religious persecution, he says. I agree. One issue was that the judges discussed was with Clement was that the prayer took place during Kennedy's duties as a coach. Justice Sonia Sotomayor also, she asked if it would be acceptable if a teacher delivered a prayer in her classroom and so on. Sotomayor also asked if it would be okay if a coach recited a prayer on the field while wearing a Nazi symbol as an expression of his faith. That's how stupid some of these people are on the Supreme Court. I mean, it's just, I don't know if they're stupid, but they're, they're, they're so immersed in their leftism and progressivism. I liked Clement's response to that, the lawyer, uh, Kennedy's lawyer, one of them. He said that he was not, not aware of any such religion. But he said even still forbidding that this could potentially be allowed because the censorship would not be based on the religious aspect of the, of the activity. It, it just, every time something like this happens in court, and thank God this is before the Supreme Court. It needs to be. But every time this happens, it turns on the light and it shows us regular people in America, most of whom are, it shows us how screwed up these people have made what was pretty clear in our founding documents. Several justices equated Kennedy's prayer to the other First Amendment free speech expression that they suggested could not be sanctioned by school district. It's a same old, same old. Every time Christmas rolls around, oh, you can't have a fir tree in your school because that suggests Christmas tree, which suggests Christmas, which suggests maybe somebody's birthday, and we can't talk about that. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Justice Samuel Alito, he asked whether a school employee could be punished for carrying a Ukrainian flag on the school property. And he was uh, he was making a good point. I don't have time to go into it, but I, I had to smile, and even mentioning it now causes me to smile. Uh, because he said that's something that people believe in, and they believe war is 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 evil, and it's being put upon these people, and the the justices and the lawyers for the other side didn't have a lot to say to that. Brett Kavanaugh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, he asked whether the school could fire someone making a sign of the cross before a game. 
Elaine Kagan, she expressed concern that as a coach who determines players' playing time, Kennedy's prayers could have a coercive event uh, effect on students. And um, she could, she said they could feel compelled to participate. What she was referring to is that the this whole issue was raised by a, a couple who have a kid who says he's an atheist and um, that he felt uncomfortable with the coach. This had been going on for years before this ever became a court issue, but it was when this one kid who said he, he's, a, he's an atheist and he was offended because he said, it, I feel like this may infringe on my right to play in the game and it may affect my playing time and, and so on. But um, there's no evidence, Clement said, of coercion, but he said that wasn't even the issue. He wasn't fired over that issue, so why are we discussing it? Which was an excellent response in my view. To that end, Justice Clarence Thomas, he used a hypothetical to illustrate how a coach's actions do not have to be viewed as being endorsed by the school. He said if the coach, instead of taking a knee for prayer, took a knee during the national anthem because of a moral opposition to racism, how would your school district respond? (laughs) What would be government speech? They were pretty put off by that. They didn't have a quick answer. The one lawyer for the other side, they agreed that uh, it would absolutely be government speech given the time, manner, place of speech, and how a reasonable observer would view it, and so on. Thomas alluded to the publicized dispute between Kennedy and the school district, and then he asked how such an action could be interpreted as government speech if the school district objected to it beforehand. Clearly, they they identified the fact, he, what he's saying is, that they weren't associated with it and did not did not uh, it did not represent them. So how can they blame him for representing them when they've already said publicly he does not represent them, they don't believe in prayer as a group, and so on. The one question that I noticed, I'm a simple man, the thing I noticed was nobody asked, what does God think about this? Because they can't. They probably can't say his name in the highest court in the land of a nation founded on God's principles. But they could never ask that question because that would be a violation of separation, wouldn't it? I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one that that occurred to, but it did. I kind of know what God would say and what he would think about this. He would probably say something to the effect that government, this government particularly, was created by humble men on their knees praying as they wrote the Constitution of the United States, asking, seeking God's guidance. And God would probably say, remember that? You should have read that in history. And then he would say, it's all about my principles. And one of them is prayer. I don't know. You just... George Washington made an interesting comment on free speech, and we're talking about free speech today, really, and religious freedom, freedom of expression. George Washington said, if the freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent, we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. I think there's a movement in America today, and, and around the world, but in our own culture, there is a movement today that wants us to kind of be dumb and blind, 
regarding what's going on. The globalists are counting on that. They're counting on people not taking a position, not standing against it. Disney counted on that the other day, and they have been clobbered. Some of you, just before I came on the air today, heard my commentary that we put out yesterday, and we put out a commentary on all the ACN stations every day. And I was talking about that. Disney has taken a hit. They've lost what I can't remember the number now. It was, it was in my in my uh commentary but it was like 34 billion dollar hit in value just as a result of their obstinance toward parents that want to train up their children in certainly in the ways of the lord but just in normal ways in human normal sexuality well disney's wanting to pervert it to fit a few people who need help they don't need to be celebrated and America has just, I mean, man, people are selling stock and they're bailing out and they're saying, I don't think I'm going to go. I don't know of anybody that has an organized effort to boycott Disney. I mean, there may be some, but I, I haven't seen it if there, if there are. But people are just generally, just organically just saying, well, I, I don't want to go there. I'm not going to support. I mean, I love Mickey Mouse. I love Walt Disney. I love Goofy and all that stuff. We all do. It's great. Walt knew what he was doing. He had a dream, and he built it, and, man, it's great. But now this second, third generation comes along of Disney family, and they have one of them, a couple of them have kids that have lost their way, and all of a sudden they want to change the world and wrap it around their kids' behavior. And people are saying, no, I don't think so. And they weren't prepared for that. And we'll see how that plays out. Well, that is kind of related in free speech and in freedom to believe what we want to believe and feel is right to believe in our hearts, it comes down to the social media. And social media does drive what people think, what they know, what they believe about what they know. Social media has become the elephant in the room, and it does guide our lives. How many times have you seen someone that can't lay their iPhone down? They're on it all the time, constantly. Well, they're not studying, taking a math class. They're on social media. They're probably on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or, you know, there's a whole bunch of them out there. But, I mean, people are on that, and they live on that. They walk down the sidewalk, and they, they almost stumble because they can't take their eyes off their phone because they're just their thumbs are going, you know, in a blur on social media. They live on it. I mean, they, they can't emotionally let go of it they can't unplug themselves that's why it's so important and you say well i'm not on social media or whatever but the, most of the world is and that's why it's important and the world's richest man this elon musk he owns tesla and spacex now he owns twitter he owns the social media platform favored by many including former president trump remember he was a big user of twitter some of us thought he might have been using it a little too much sometimes but Twitter canceled him. Why? They said he was spreading misinformation. He was president of the United States. Twitter didn't care. Musk made his first offer of about $44 billion to outright purchase Twitter last week. Twitter's board said no, very arrogantly. They said they liked Twitter the way it was. But once the idea of the board's legal fiduciary responsibility was raised and the board realized that they do have a responsibility to all those people that own stock in in this company, in Twitter, I, I 
don't, but didn't at all. But a lot of people did. And I mean, not just, you know, rich people. I mean, just ordinary people own stock in Twitter. And they have a responsibility to those people to do, make their best decisions. And once that idea occurred to them and Governor DeSantis kind of nudged them and said, yeah, Florida has a lot of stock in Twitter, in our pension funds and so on. And I'm going to look into whether or not they're following up on their fiduciary responsibilities. And if they aren't, we may take legal action against the board as a state. That was sort of a wake up call for these guys. So anyway, that transition has happened. The Twitter board chair, Brett Taylor, said the director's I'm quoting him, conducted a thoughtful and comprehensive process to assess Elon's proposal with a deliberate focus on value, certainty, and financing. That certainly wasn't their focus in the beginning, and I'm talking six days ago. But they noted that they believe it is the best path forward for Twitter stockholders now. They were converted overnight when they realized they might get in trouble legally by holding on to this thing so they could use it for their own propaganda methods. This thoughtful and comprehensive decision was only made after they were told pretty frankly and very directly that, hey, you're responsible. I've read that these guys have been getting paid two or three million dollars a year just to sit on the board. I'm sure they love that as well. It's going to take several months for this to close, but it's going to change. It's going to have tremendous impact on the world, and on our nation. At a press release, Musk, and Musk is not a, I think he's probably a libertarian. I haven't paid a lot of attention to him. I mean, I'm very aware of what he's doing. I mean, you have to be. There's Tesla cars, more and more of them running all over the place, and he's got these rockets going up in space all the time now, and he's putting satellites up there for a a communications network, and, and on and on it goes. So you can't ignore him, but I I haven't really been focused on him, but this caught my attention. But he said, and I quote him, free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy, and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. I also want to make Twitter better than ever by enhancing the product with new features, making the algorithms open space to increase trust, defeating the spam bots, that's where you just keep getting this stuff all the time, and authenticating all humans. Twitter has tremendous potential. I look forward to working with the company and the community of users to unlock it. He describes himself, Musk, Elon Musk, as a free speech absolutist. In a recent interview with Ted, um, he said that, He'd like to see Twitter err on the side of allowing speech instead of moderating it. He said he'd be very reluctant to delete tweets and would generally be cautious about permanent bans. He also acknowledged that Twitter would have to abide by national laws governing speech and so on around the world. I think what I've read about him, especially recently in the last week or so, I think he really does believe in free speech from a kind of a libertarian perspective. But what this has done, it has rattled the social media empire, the the Facebook, the Mark Zuckerbergs, that all these guys, TikTok, and all the way through the whole thing. All of a sudden, it's not this little fine operating thing that everybody in the world almost is somehow connected to it. And, the, and these guys are getting their messages out. They're blocking the messages they don't want out. They they are they are advancing and elevating 
and repetitionizing the messages they do want you to remember and they want to burn into your skull. I mean, that's what they've been doing. The Washington Post says Max Boot, he writes for the Washington Post. I see his name in there quite a bit. He said, democracy is only possible with politically motivated censorship. <laughs> in other words, we were saving democracy by, being, by, by censoring people that we didn't agree with. It's unbelievable. The Federalist wrote an article yesterday. It says, no secret that Twitter wields the power to suppress and deplatform its political foes. It deliberately, maliciously, and selectively chooses whose content gets attention and whose doesn't. That's my point. They say President Donald Trump, Canadian truckers, doctors, and scientists discussing the origins of COVID-19 or possible treatments, the Babylon Bee and countless others have all been targets of its ideological censorship. And they say it culminated in the election interference. Indeed, it did. The most notable example, and they point this out, and it needs to be mentioned, the most notable example was the meddling in the 20, uh, was in 2020 when Twitter throttled reporting about Hunter Biden's laptop and the corrupt Biden family business. It is corrupt, and we've learned that now. It's leaked out kind of drip by drip, and I think the dam is about to break, and a lot of this stuff is really going to become public now. But the New York Post story about the then-Democrat presidential candidate Joe Biden's knowledge about who Hunter was involved with has been very much enlightened since then. But at that time, Twitter stood on that story. They would not allow it, and they took down the story when the New York Post broke that story. The New York Post has been around a long time. Alexander Hamilton started that newspaper. I mean, it's the oldest functioning newspaper in America. But they took a stand against it because they were reporting something that Twitter did not want out to the hundreds of millions of people who are impacted by what's on Twitter and other social media. The First Amendment gives America's five basic freedoms. Freedom of speech, press, petition, assembly, and religion. While all five are important, perhaps freedom of speech is talked about most often in our documents and in our conversation now. Free speech is a corner, cornerstone of our democracy. Our founders knew that. We must know it. Because in that... In freedom of speech is in, embedded the idea that we can have religious freedom and freedom of expression. And in that, we can pray to God. Even if one of our size 10 shoes is standing on public school, we can do that. The founders wanted us to do that. They tried to protect that to the best of their ability more than 200 years ago, looking ahead, telescoping. They couldn't have seen social media. They couldn't have seen Twitter and Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey, who founded this, who, by the way, says he thinks it's probably going to work out good for Musk to buy this thing. Dorsey started it. He's a strange guy, to say the least. He's very metaphysical, kind of new agey for sure. But anyway, he said that this morning, whatever that means. But the point is that freedom, freedom of speech is the cornerstone of our democracy, and this whole move that we're looking at now, it looks like it could contribute to freedom of speech. Someone asked, is Donald Trump going to go back on Twitter? Yesterday, he said he's not going to. We'll see. I don't think he's going to be able to stay off once this thing is under control 
by Musk. We'll see. Hey, thanks for being with me today. It's always a privilege, a pleasure, and thank you for your support. We need it. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.